0: Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4 this morning. We're going to finish up this chapter. Uh, did everybody get handouts this morning? Good. Have you been enjoying the handouts? That's really good. Because I'm on the brink of just preparing in a way where I just open the Bible and just see what happens, and an outline wouldn't work too well. So you guys can pray for wisdom in that. <laughs> There's just goodness. You guys ever do that when you're just studying the word? And as you're in a passage, God just leads you to this, into that, into that, and then it comes all back, way back around, and it's just just perfect and beautiful and wonderful. You're like, wow, wasn't expecting that because you were willing to leave the outline. Yeah, it's just fun. So maybe we'll do that some Sunday soon. Anyways, this morning, um, let's let's backtrack just for a moment. Uh, We started the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, a few weeks back, and we got to see Jesus come into the world. This was something that was prophesied about. The Savior is going to come, the Messiah is going to do this and that, and the Bible lays it all out. Did you guys see this last week that they found a signet, the prophet of Isaiah, over there in Israel? Is that not stinking cool, dating back to 700 B.C.? Pretty darn cool, right? Um, Anyways, I love Isaiah. It's like reading the New Testament. Why? Because it spoke of all that Jesus was going to come and what was he was going to do. And Jesus came. He fulfilled. He did. Now he's starting his public ministry. Okay, He's there baptized by John the Baptist, and then he's off to the desert right away, as we looked at last week. If you guys missed it, we dealt with temptation last week, and we saw what Jesus did in the face of the enemy coming and attacking him. What do you do? Now that he's now fasted 40 days, went through that, he's now... Uh, calling this morning uh, those who he wants to be those disciples, those guys who are going to be key to bringing the gospel um, into the world. Uh, So that's where we're going to pick up this morning. Um, So before we start reading, I want to ask the question, who needs the gospel most? Who needs it most? Those who are well or those who are sick? Those who are Righteous are those who are sinners. Those who have the most light are those who are living darkest lives. Look at verse 12 with me here in Matthew chapter 4. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, this is John the Baptist, he departed for Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came, and he dwelt in, in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the land of Zebulon and Nephtali. And it happened that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Here's Isaiah. Okay? He said, the land of Zebulon, in the land of Nephtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles." the people who sat in darkness, they have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. Isn't that a beautiful prophecy? Yeah, Jesus fulfilled it. Verse 17. Don't you guys think it's so cool? Anyways, here we go. We're sidetracking already. But Matthew, okay, he got got this prophecy. And he saw that, hey where Isaiah's laying this out for us, this is what it's talking about. This is Jesus. This light. The Son of God, the light of the world. He has come. It's so cool that... Anyways, I love that. Verse 17, From that time Jesus began to preach. And what did he say? He was preaching repent. The kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why is the kingdom of heaven at hand? Because the king of heaven is at hand. Okay, you guys understand? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is where the king is. Well, the king is here. He's at hand, right? So that's, The gospel message, that is what he was preaching. Now, for you and I who know the gospels and know the gospels well, we could insert here between verses 11 and 12, where we're picking it up this morning, the gospel of John chapters 1 to 4 would fit in this time period. I don't know if you guys have ever caught it, but John is quite a bit different than the other first three gospels we find in the New Testament. Okay, there's some overlap, but there's a lot of unique stories, miracles, okay, uh, that were told in his account. So go back and check out those chapters this week. It'll fill in a little bit more chronologically of what was going on in the life of our Savior. Now, catch that they went to Galilee, okay, Galuth, in the Aramaic, which actually means captivity. It's about 40 miles wide. 70 miles long, 204 villages, about 1,500 people on average per village, uh, about 3 million total in that region. Uh, this uh, northern region there was known as the region of death. That's what it was referred to. Galilee, the, <laughs> the region of death. Um, in 721 B.C., Okay, guys, think about this, 721 years, okay, before the common error. No, it's not the common error, okay, it's before Jesus Christ, you guys understand? Don't you guys hate that they've done, I'm going sidetrack again, anyways, don't you hate that they've done that? They're teaching our kids like all of history hinges on on Jesus Christ. There was nothing common about that era. The God of all creation crashed into his own creation. That's not a common event. That's not normal. So knock it off. Anyways. 721 BC. The Syrians, catch this. They conquered 10 of Israel's tribes. And then they brought them into captivity and they settled them in Syria. They brought, um, they brought with them then a very large mix of Assyrians and Babylonians um, of that day in the population. They were all mixed together there in Samaria, northern Israel, and these new settlers spoke Aramaic, okay? Okay. Uh, they worshipped their own gods. They had their own customs that were practiced regularly. But it was cool because they accepted the God of Israel because the God of Israel was the God of the land. So they had all this stuff mixed together. Okay? Um, the descendants of these early settlers, they were called Galileans considered foreigners by the Jews of the south. So the Jews always despised them, and they looked at them and their descendants of these people that conquered them and destroyed their country. That's how they viewed them. Oh, you're those people. You stole most our tribes. That's how they looked at the Galileans, okay? So they had nothing to do with them. They tried to stay away from those people, and they would not tolerate a prophet no way are we going to listen to a prophet from that region, the Galileans. Don't you love Jesus? I love him. Anyways, uh, must have been a mixed multitude of people there, uh, mixed marriages. So really the mindset is just like, is a, a good Jew, hey, these, these people here, they're not purebreds. <laughs> us good Jews, okay, us religious folk, pure folk. We don't mess with them. So down in Jerusalem they considered them hicks of the north, right? Okay, yay yeah, yeah, with those funny accents, yah. Don't you know ya? Yeah. Anyways, I don't know if they talk like that. But the point you guys get what's going on here? Kinda of get the platform of Jesus' day? How people were okay. So, Galilee of the Gentiles is how Matthew put it for us. Galea Ton Ethon, okay? Amazing that Jesus came to earth as a baby, born in a manger, to a poor family. But it's just as amazing if we think about what's happening right here that his ministry is not down in the religious epicenter, in Jerusalem. Hey, the king is here! In Jerusalem! The center of the world, the capital. No, what does Jesus do? He goes to Kakana, right? (laughs) I got to hang out with some other pastors. We had a four-day prayer, uh, pastor's prayer summit this week, you know? And some of the guys were just like, why (laughs) Kakana? What's Kakana? They were all from over the state. I just got to share with them, you know? It is kind of different from the rest of the valley, I grew up in Appleton. People are just a little different here. But let me tell you what, there's, there's a stronghold here. There are hard things. One of the pastors grew up here, and he wept with me over the city. I don't know what's going on. There's been handfuls, he told me a little history, handfuls of attempted church plants here through the years. None have lasted. What's going on? Well, there's churches, but some of them are goofy. I'm not judging. Just listen to what they say. You can judge for yourself. Anyways, um, but the point is, we have Jesus. This is his heart. He's going to go to the place that nowhere, no one else wants to go to. And this is amazing to me, because he goes um, to uh, um, Galilee, to Anith and to Galilee, okay? Not even the... Um, Judean region of the area, it just he goes out of his way to these outcasts. Now let's look at Capernaum for a second. Jesus set up headquarters here, okay? Um, he probably had a nice beach house or something right there, right? <laughs> um, look at verse 13. Um, and leaving Nazareth. He came and he dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, the regions of Zebulun and Nephtali. Now, again, I mentioned Isaiah prophesied that again. That's in Isaiah 9, and you guys right away, to Isaiah 9. Ooh, that's a good chapter in Isaiah. You know, it talks about the birth of unto us the Son is given. You know, I, I hear that during Christmas all the time. Well, the whole chapter is really cool, and it's all about Jesus. The first couple, couple of verses are specifically prophesying this, that a light would come to this region, and Matthew saw this movement of Jesus to Capernaum actually fulfilling this prophecy. It's so cool to think about that. So this region here was the area settled by the tribes of Zebulon and Nephtali after the conquest in Joshua's time. Now, verses 15 and 16, the land of Zebulun, the land of Nephli, rode to the sea, over the Jordan, the Galilee, crossroads for the nations. People sitting out their lives, really, they're just in the dark, is what it's telling us. They're just in the dark. And they saw this huge light sitting in that dark, dark country of death, and they watched the sun come up. How cool. Sat in darkness, verse 16. It's interesting that Isaiah wrote about people who walked in darkness, but in the time Matthew wrote, they were sitting in darkness. Kind of makes me think of Psalm 1, doesn't it? Okay, So think about the Titanic with me for a second. It's going down. How strange a thought it would be. Like, hey, no one's in the pool hall. Let's go pray and play some free pool. That's how I feel the world is today, guys. They're sinking. They're going down and they don't have a clue. They're just playing games. They don't know what's really going on. They're not realizing what's really happening. Their boat is sinking. They're walking in darkness. They're sitting in darkness. So dark to light, from death to the dawning of a new day. I want you guys to flip to Acts chapter 26 with me. Jesus explained this in more detail to the Apostle Paul in Acts 26 here. We just went through the book of Acts before we started Matthew here. Man, the last, I don't know, six, seven months, we were just looking into the life of Paul, all the things he was doing for the Lord. But God called him out of some crazy darkness. He was super deceived. Even as religious as a person he was, he was completely in the dark. And I love this because in Acts 26, he's recounting his conversion and what the Lord spoke to him in verse 17 and 18. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. And we know Paul, the apostle, was a missionary to the Gentile world I send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from what? From darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Man, it's that simple, and that's what God's doing. But people need to hear. That's why we are sent. Do you not know that you are the light of the world? Okay? We are to go. And we are to make disciples. We are to be a light. Don't hide it under a basket. Okay, Shine for Jesus. You see, when a great light encounters great darkness, which I believe there is great darkness in our world, man, my heart's being stirred up again as being a missionary. Like, honestly, guys, maybe 10% of Americans are really born again. Okay, I talk with a lot of people. Even a lot of people that call themselves Christians, I don't know if they really are born again, because you ask them, simplicity of the gospel, how do you know you're really saved? That you're really going to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. I've been going to church my whole life. Dang! It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. But that's what people, good people, believe. And the truth is, none of us are good, right? You see... When we think about this reality of when God steps in, when there is a God encounter, when great light comes to great darkness, who wins? Who's going to win in that battle? Well, God's going to win, right? Light always wins over darkness. I don't know if that's true, Pastor. Try it tonight. Go outside with a flashlight. (laughs) See if the darkness consumes that light beam. I've never seen it happen. It doesn't happen. Well, why are things so dark today? I ask the question why is anybody even saved today? Talk about a great light. Why do we even care this morning, 2,000 years after this is written? With how much stuff and idolatry we have in our culture. We're teaching our kids lies in school that there's no God, that nothing blew up. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm amazed that there's still people that humble themselves before the living God, that the gospel is still going forth, that we can come together and praise his name together. Okay? That's a miracle. But what's happening here, most of the world doesn't have a clue. They think this is foolishness. What are you guys doing? That's ridiculous. It's because they can't see, guys. They're in the dark. That's why we need to shine for Jesus, bring the gospel to them. So darkness can't allow or can't swallow a light beam. Um, Death shadows, okay? This little phrase here. um, Scary shadows, right? But they're only shadows. You guys understand that? They're only shadows. Uh, Jesus is the difference between light and darkness, between life and death, verse 2, okay? Okay. Uh, Sir Walter Scott, short story for us this morning. Uh, He tells us of a young boy in Scotland. He would stand on the porch of his home and he'd watch old glass uh, lamp lighters switch on the lights throughout the town. And as he moved from place to place, Scott followed his path by the small poles of the light that he left behind. And as he got closer to the home, the young Scott would run in and call to his mother, 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 come see a man who's punching holes in the darkness. I love that, guys. Because this is an excellent definition of the mission of God's people. Punching holes in the darkness. That's what God's calling us to do, guys. To punch holes in the moral, spiritual, social political darkness of the world and allow the light of the gospel to bring direction and healing. That's what we're called to do. Don't you love it? Punching holes in the darkness. Well, people don't like that when I do that. You know? Um, the shooting in Florida, horrific, horrible. Just pure evil. But then, whoo, let's talk about gun rights. I mean, everything there you know? Yeah, I think guns are cool. (laughs) But just the fighting and the debating that is around this whole subject with the right to bear arms or not to bear arms, I'm just sitting back and just thinking this is ridiculous. You know, first of all, if we look at history, Look at the people groups where they've taken their guns away. What has happened? Hitler happened. I mean, that's just what happens. Stalin happens. That's what happens, okay? That's just kind of common sense. What is the answer? Well, we need to make more laws, or we need to take... No, the answer is going to be Jesus Christ. The answer is always going to be Jesus Christ. We've always had guns. Why are things getting worse and worse? Well, we're teaching our kids that they're just animals. What do we expect them? When we, when we t- push God out, okay, we no longer have value of human worth, of human life, right? Survival of the fittest. I step back. I don't have to think about it too long. It's just kind of like common sense, you know? And the people debating this is ridiculous. See, this political group up in arms about these guns, well, why isn't this political group up in arms about killing babies like crazy, it just doesn't make sense. It's not logic. Anyways, I'm done. Uh, the point though, Jesus is the answer, right? So Jesus set headquarters up where? I love what he's doing here. Where people talked funny. Okay? <laughs> he went to the funny talking people. Where the outcasts lived. Where people um, on the periphery reside who weren't recognized by the crowd. So do you hear the beautiful message that is here for us? This is beautiful, guys. You might have felt like an outcast your whole life. Maybe you were never in that inner group, but always in the darkness or the shadows. It's your heart that Jesus wants to put his headquarters in today. That's what this message is speaking to you and I. You see, but I don't feel religious enough. (laughs) So Jesus came to Galilee, didn't he? But I don't feel spiritual enough. So Jesus came to those walking or sitting in darkness. But I feel disqualified. So Jesus came to those uh, sitting out their lives in the dark. But I don't feel alive. So Jesus came to those who were dwelling in death's shadow. So who needs the gospel most? Those who are well or those who are sick. Those who are righteous or those who are sinners. Those who have the most light or those who are living in the darkest light. Well, if we look at verse 17 here, we see the work of God. It's rapidly moving here forward. Okay? He's establishing right here the glorious kingdom of heaven on earth. I love it. He came to preach. Caruso is the Greek word for preach. It means to herald. And to herald was a man who has brought, brought a message direct from the king. Okay, Isn't it our job to preach the gospel to all creation? That's our job. Preach it. Preach it. Billy went home to be with Jesus this week. I think that's pretty cool. He finished the race. I've met so many people through the years who had gotten saved through uh, his ministry. You know, he was a servant of the Lord. You know, hopefully he was a good and faithful servant. I don't know if, if he was or not. That's between him and the Lord. <laughs> but we know he was a servant that God definitely used to preach the gospel to millions, hundreds of millions of people. You know, what an example it's something I don't know if you've ever read on the life of Billy, I love hearing stories of him. But when he was a young minister, he would just go out in the woods and he would preach to the trees the gospel of Jesus Christ. He would just preach wherever he had an opportunity. It didn't have to be a crusade, he preached the gospel to everybody. Okay, even when he got pulled over by a police officer, you know, preaching the gospel. Of, I mean, that was just Billy, it didn't matter. That's, what, that's all that God simply asks us to do. right? Preach the gospel. Alright, let's move on. Let's jump back to Matthew, if you're not back in chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 18 to 22 here. I entitled this section, Men Catchers. If you'll see why, it says in Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net, into the sea. Now, I just want to pause for a second. I want you guys, because as we're going to go through the gospel, and this is going to take us a couple years to get through Matthew, but I want you guys to start grabbing a hold of who these men are, these disciples, these guys who are going to walk with Jesus Christ for three years, and then ultimately one day lay their lives down, be martyrs for the gospel. I want you to get to know them a little bit because there's some connections that we'll make as we look at their lives and different things that end up happening, different things that they do. Because there's some things that happen at the end of their lives that tie right back in to what happened when they first met Jesus. So, with that, let's continue on. Um, Verse 19, actually, Peter and Andrew, uh, we need to catch that they were casting, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Let me say that again. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So Jesus here is showing us simple Disciple 101, discipleship 101, right? <laughs> this is just straightforward discipleship. Invest yourself in a dozen of you know, people's lives with relationally, you know, Uh, authentically, transparently. I mean, just real. Hey, come with me. Follow me. Let's do life together. And yes, he began to preach, verse 17, but he immediately he began to call others to the task. And then in verse 18, Jesus previously met in Judea, which we saw back in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 35 to 42. These guys are here. They're casting a net. So a net is thrown over the shoulders and it's spread out into a circle as it falls upon the water and then it has little weights on the end that carry it down and they draw the rope around on its edges to catch the fish. Now, verse 19, this is the first verse I've ever, ever memorized in scripture. I remember having an art class. Any of you guys ever take calligraphy growing up? Yeah, that's a lost art today. Thank God for fonts. Um, anyways, I loved calligraphy class. And I remember uh, that for one of my finals, I actually did this. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Okay, that was just one of those verses that, were, uh, that God had put in my heart as a young man. But the thing here, and the key is to follow him. Great if we're going to share the gospel and win people to Christ. But it starts with following him. Do you guys understand that? Follow him. And then you'll be catchers of men. That's how it works. Okay. Um, let's turn to Mark's gospel real quick. This is where we're going to do a little rabbit trail real quick. Because this is something that the Lord, uh, for almost a year now, he keeps bringing me back to this passage, personally in ministry. Well, that's great for you, Pastor. You should get what you're doing in ministry. No, we're all called to ministry. And I believe this is the key to ministry. And it really ties into where we're at here in Matthew this morning. Uh, look at verse 13 of Mark 13. And he went up on the mountain. And he called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed the 12 that, did you guys catch it? They might go out and preach and have power to heal sickness, to cast out demons. No, what did he call them to first? That they might be with him. And then go out and preach and do the ministry. You guys catch that? He calls us to him, to what? To be with him. And I thoroughly believe that any effectiveness in our ministry is going to come out of intimacy with God. When we are close to him, abiding in, in him pressing into him just being with him there's going to be a natural overflow in our lives of ministry you might be thinking hey why isn't god using me why isn't ministry happening i have to ask yourself is there intimacy with the lord is he truly the center of your life is he the source of joy the source of fulfillment is he your greatest treasure in life If he is not, you're going to be amiss. It isn't going to work correctly. But when you put him in his rightful place, it's been said that man's chief end is to enjoy God forever, to enjoy him. That's intimacy, guys. It's being with him, being close to him, learning of him, doing life with him. And when we do those things, there is that natural overflow tozer said this we are called to an everlasting preoccupation with god that's the primary thing for you and i brother and sister what are we occupied with well in school well i got a family i got young kids i got a husband i got this i got that this job assignment i got to travel here vacations coming up what are we preoccupied with guys it has to be jesus he needs to be number one. And I believe it's that intimacy. I forget which one it was. David, you might know. Um, there was a, they're coming out with gospel movies lately. There was one that was in the theater a little over a year ago, I think. And I remember watching this movie and it had Jesus and it had his followers, the disciples, the men who walked with him for three years, Okay, did life with him, did ministry with him, learned from him. And after he died and he rose again, these guys were going out. They were being persecuted. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, oh man, this is so Christian cheesy movie. Because these disciples, they're like over the top, giddy and silly about Jesus. Like hippies, you know. And the Holy Spirit, as I was having those thoughts, was just like, that's what it's like when you're in love with me. Nothing else matters. Ministry doesn't have to be serious. You're just loving me and there's just an overflow and yeah, you're going to be really excited and happy about sharing me with others. So I guess there is something to Christian cheese. I don't know. Um, Anyways, fishermen, let's go back to that. Follow me. Hope you guys circle that in your Bible. Um, normally, uh, during this time, uh, disciples, there were a lot of disciples, but they would actually choose, hey, I want this man as a teacher or this rabbi. They would go and choose. But here, Jesus is going backwards, isn't he? He's actually going and saying, hey, you, <laughs> you're going to be my disciple. You, you follow me. So this was a call of constant companionship with Jesus. Here, we would have a new twist on teaching others to evangelize. Instead of classes or courses, methods and techniques, uh, read a book, attend a seminar, simply it was just say, hey, have someone follow you and watch. Okay, <laughs> Just hang out. This is how it's done. Um, So, Jesus said, hang around me and I'll make you fishers of men. The Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, or follow me as I follow Christ. Can that be said of us? Can that be said of us? You know, I would hope that if you came into my life, that, hey, Pastor Landon, well, Pastor Landon's life is actually the same when he's not up here teaching the Word of God. (laughs) he really does love jesus he really does share jesus with other people not just in front of people who are already christians you know it's one of those things guys we're called to make disciples and i think the biggest thing is just doing life it's relational we need that so fishers of men it was not a new term for centuries, Greek and Roman philosophers has used it to describe the work of a man who seeks to catch others by teaching or by persuasion. So this is only one of many pictures of evangelism. We have the shepherds, sheep, right? Uh, workers in the harvest. It goes on like that. But yet, he was speaking to who? Four fishermen. Possibly, eight or seven of the twelve were fishermen. Um, or had been. Augustine said this, Fisherman Peter did not lay aside his nets, but changed them. I like that. So why would Jesus pick over 50% of his team to be of the fisherman trade? Is it, have you guys ever thought about that? It's here. Who would you pick? If you're going to win the world to Jesus Christ, who would you pick on your Team, your squad what 12 well Bill Gates because then we'd be rich and we could have a lot of money to fund all our ministry efforts right and then we'd have to have some killer music I was talking with Tony yesterday about Jeremy Camp we could put Jeremy Camp on our squad he's an awesome worship leader you guys wouldn't that be our mindset our thinking but Jesus goes to where Galilee to these outcasts calling these fishermen well, they were busy people, either fishing, catching fish, or preparing, mending their nets, they were courageous and they were patient people. You think about some guys in the Bible. Saul was looking for his father's donkeys. We have David. He was, what, keeping his father's sheep. The shepherds were guarding their flocks. Amos was farming in Tekoa. Matthew was working as a tax collector. Moses was tending his father in law's flock. Gideon was threshing wheat. Isn't it cool? God can take anybody, any man, woman. Hey, it's going to take you. Oh, nobody. Great. That's who I use. Look at uh, verse 20 here. They immediately left their nets. Let no net entangle those whom Jesus calls to follow him. They came immediately. They came at all cost. They came with no question. They came to follow the leader. And they came without stipulation or reserve. So following Jesus means leaving some things behind. The Samaritan woman left her pitcher. Matthew left his tax table. Blind Bartimaeus left the cloak to follow Jesus. So our prayer should be, Lord Help me to be this faithful and unhesitatingly follow you as long as I live. No nets to detain me. Spurgeon said this These would be the briars upon which he would graft the roses of his grace. I love that. Some of you guys might feel a little prickly in life. I'm good for nothing. Well, God can make you beautiful. Isn't that what he does? Right? right? Well, I feel like a caterpillar. You got the same DNA as a butterfly. That's what God does. I love him. He's good that way. So, John, now let's talk about the disciple whom Jesus loved. You see that in verse 21 here? Okay? We also hear that referenced in John thirteen twenty three chapter 22, uh, 21, 7, and verse 20 of chapter 21. But anyways, now since he wrote that about himself, wouldn't you guys think, how boastful? John, really? You're going to go there? The one Jesus loved? Really? But the real question, I think, is why don't we think about ourselves that way? That, I think, is the question we have to ask ourselves. If you can't, Houston, we have a problem, okay? God loves you, okay? He demonstrated his love towards you. And while yet you were a sinner, he died for you, okay? He was crucified upon the cross. His arms are wide open. He says, I love you, okay? If you don't believe it, look to the cross. Look at what he's done for you. Let's look at verse 22. Zebedee. Okay. Do any of you guys know a Zebedee? I think you do. Yes, I think it's the coolest name. I'm like, why aren't there little Zebedees running around? And he's a pretty cool dude in Scripture. Good for her. That's awesome. So Matthew specifically highlights that James and John they left not only their fishing but also their father to begin following jesus a lost zebedee no way right because zebedee let both of his sons walk away from his plans for his boys in other words the family business so would you let your son or daughter go on the mission field i want you to be honest with yourself wasn't it kind of dangerous would you let your son or daughter go on the mission field? Do you encourage it? Do you talk about it with them? Do you pray about that with them? You see, recognize the sudden departure as a sure sign of what we would probably call radical discipleship. Okay? I'm going, I'm all in. That's why I always encourage our young adults You know, go to Bible college, (laughs) okay? We have life. There's always going to be work. There are going to be careers. There's going to be things that God's calling us to. If you don't know what that is, take a year and go sit at the feet of Jesus. Jump all in. What if it's not accredited? What if it's a year away from my career path? Good! <laughs> because I don't think until you're all in, are you going to be in that place where God really directs you to where you need to be, where he wants you to be. Okay? Now you don't have to go to Bible college. You don't, what you have to do is be a radical disciple. I'm leaving it all behind. <laughs> this was my thing. <laughs> I'm all in for you. What I see in the church today is people just add Jesus to what they already have. It's not an allegiance. It's, I'm just adding you to what I'm up to, God. Because I want some fire insurance. I'd love to go to heaven one day. But actually, to call you Lord and Savior, I like the Savior part. But Lord, that's radical discipleship. In order for you to truly call Him Lord, that means He is truly calling the shots. Okay? And He needs to be your Lord and Savior. That's why I think there's a lot of people in the church today that probably aren't going to go to heaven. Again, we're not saved by works, but doing. But you truly are a follower of Jesus. That's how you're saved. Okay, you truly believe. Because even demons believe Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world, God. They understand that. Great, demons believe. And there's a lot of religious people that believe. It's a different thing to actually act on that belief. You guys understand that? Faith is different than belief. I hope you guys have been taught well and you're grasping there's a distinction there. Because we can believe, but to actually trust, actually obey, I'm in, I'm going to follow, I am your disciple, Jesus. That's a whole other thing. And that's what God's calling us to, brothers and sisters. And I'm hoping that I can encourage you guys, teach you guys well, that you're able to grow in that, that you can follow Jesus closer. My conviction is I only can lead people as far as I've gone. And that's my conviction. I feel like the greatest thing I can do to be a gift to you, my church family, to be a gift to my wife, to my children, is my own personal holiness. That only comes from being close to Jesus. The closer I get to Jesus, that's the thing that's needed for all of us, guys. Because whether we like it or not, we're all called to be salt and light. We are all called to follow him, to preach the gospel. And how does that look, guys? Because a lot of what people are learning and seeing, what they're hearing from us, it's not just the words we say about Jesus. They're watching our lives. Does it line up? Is Jesus a priority in their life? Can they actually see that? Or do they see, well, it's all these other things, and Jesus is just added to that person's life. That's what I see. Or are they able to see Jesus is everything and all those other things are added. (laughs) That's what they should be able to see. Amen? Amen. If you're convicted by that, good. Um, Because I love you. Let's move on. Let's wrap this up this morning. Let's look at teaching, preaching, and healing. Verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went out throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted, Uh, with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him, from Galilee, from uh, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So if you look at verse 23, this is kind of like a summary statement of Jesus' public ministry here. You could say that he cares about church, School, healthcare, But I also want you to note, uh, unlike the 5th century B.C., Greek, Hippocrates, he taught that epilepsy was due to some demonic activity. And we still have that going on in the church today. You're sick because you don't have enough faith. Or demons, they're messing with you, and that's why you have this. Or I love that Matthew here distinguishes the two. I'm thankful for that. About a hundred mile perimeter here. Jesus' providence here was his parish and his interest. I want you guys to catch what Jesus' interest was. It was man's mind. Okay? He went teaching in man's heart. Preaching in man's body. Healing. So teaching in their synagogues. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. There is a difference between teaching and preaching. Okay, one is the emphasis in the manner, not the content. Okay, that's preaching. Um, preaching is the uncompromising uh, proclamation of certainties. Where teaching is the explanation of the meaning and the significance of them. So you guys see how they're different there. Um, as you guys know, I like to do both. Okay. I think that's healthy because God has given to the church preachers and teachers. Okay? Some of you guys are preachers. We need you. Some of you guys are teachers. Okay. Application doesn't come that easy, but hey, I know the word, I know what it says, you know. It all works together. Now the healing, Jesus' ability to heal. Those with all different kinds of diseases really demonstrates to you and I the authentic power over the damage done by the fall of man. So his authority over demons uh, and those that were demon possessed really shows that he has uh, authentic power over all creation. Okay, I think it's so cool that these things were going on. So our Lord's main ministry was teaching and preaching, but his compassion moved him to minister to the physical needs of the people. That's what should be happening in our lives. Do you care about your neighbor who can't even come out of their own home anymore because something has befallen them, some hardship, some disease? Do you care? You see how tragic that most of the people who followed him wanted his services but not his salvation. The gifts, but not the giver. Let's pray. Yeah. Father in heaven, we do ask and pray that that it couldn't be said of us. That we're in it just for what we get. Father, that you would trump that thinking. You'd turn it upside down for us, God. You Get our thinking straight. Lord, we know it's all about you. We can say it's all about you. But are we experiencing that? I want to experience that. I want to experience it more. Would you help us to do that, Father? Lord, help us to get over seeking the blessings, but to really seek the blessed or to seek you. Because you are our treasure, Father. You are everything, Jesus. We just thank you, Father, for just giving us some... Uh, insight and wisdom this morning through this passage of Scripture. We want to be all in. Father, help us to count the cost. If we've deceived ourselves in our heart and we think we're all good and we got it all together, and if we are amiss, if we are going astray, would you please, in your kindness, Holy Spirit, just reveal that to us, Lord. We want to be in step with you. Father, walking with you closely, following you wherever you may lead. Why? Because it brings you glory. Because it's what you've asked us to do. It's because you are worthy, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Cool, in your handout, I had printed off the song, I've decided to follow Jesus. You guys understand that's your decision. Okay? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. (laughs) You call upon him. You go to Him. The call's already been there, right? God's asked us to go make disciples of all nations. He desires all to come to Him and not to perish. That's His heart. That's His desire. But we have a decision. Am I going to do that? So, if you don't know the song, look it up on YouTube. It's a good one to put in your heart. It's a good one to sing. I have fun singing with my kids. Cool. Let's stand. We'll do a quick benediction. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month, so we are going to have potluck. Love for you guys to join us. The Lord bless you guys and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and to give you peace. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Love you guys. Have a great week.